0: Amongst the good things about producing the newsletter that we've been doing the last couple of months because of COVID is that I can write something in there about the text and then ignore that and do something else on Sunday. Not because what I wrote was rubbish, which of course, how could that possibly be? But because there's so many different ways into these texts. They've been given to us um, from so long ago. There are so many different ways into it. So I just want to look at the bit... At the end, the bit that many of us have read, at times past particularly when we're in deep need, come to me all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your lives for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When Jesus first said this, he said it into a culture where, from most estimates by historians, between 30 and 40% of the population were slaves. So when he said, those of you who are weary and heavy laden, he wasn't talking, as we will take it today, spiritual, emotional, mental weight and burden and weariness, which would have been true. He was also talking about actual physical burdens that people were carrying. That when we read about empires like Rome, the understanding that the entire structure was put together by people who were forced into slavery in other, or it wouldn't work. It's extraordinary, isn't it, how many people there were that were slaves. Of course, our weariness comes from a different kind of place. It used to really surprise me. The first job I ever had, I worked in John Martin's department store, which will, some of us, probably all of us, would remember that, that it existed. Um, and, and I was working on the floor, you know, selling things. And what it always really confused me was that I would go home some days tired physically because I'd worked hard and we'd had a lot of customers and I'd shifted a lot of things around. And then other days I'd go home when it had been quiet and I'd have to spend the day pretending that I was being busy so my boss didn't yell. And I went home tired, but of a different kind of tired. I, I was sort of... Later I thought I realised that I was kind of at a weariness about, my, about me that was a different kind of tired than the physical tired than, that I'd had when I was busy. And it wasn't long before I got to love the days when it was busy and there was lots to do and we had to work hard and loathe the days when it was quiet. We were you know, middle of winter, cold and wet, and, and early in the week we would just be there and we would just have to look like we were busy folding things up all the time. Uh, for a while I worked in the sheets department selling Manchester and uh, I would, constantly people would unfold them to look. Why would you unfold a sheet to look at it? It's a sheet! And well, we have to fold it up again and and uh, yes so there's a different kind of, and of course a lot of us have struggled with that idea of of a different kind of weariness during covid i've talked to lots of people who in being locked down have found themselves um, not tired so much as as kind of deeply weary Even though they've done less physical things than they would normally do. They've had to travel less, or they've been on public transport less, or or not at all. And yet they're feeling a different kind of, sort of a a real deeper weariness. And much of that comes from the uncertainty that life has always provided us, but particularly at the moment. Look, even just in the last three or four days, just this week, Scott Morrison made a speech... Uh, In uh, about defence and offered some new moves forward on our defence and he said this we have not seen the conflagration of global economic and strategic uncertainty now being experienced here in Australia and in our region since the existential threat we faced when the globe and our region collapsed in the 1930s and the 1940s If that doesn't cause you some level of anxiety, you either didn't know what happened in the 1930s or the 40s or you're just not paying attention. Now, I don't know how much of this is real, how much of this was hype for the Monaro by-election. And in a sense, I don't care. This is the first time an Australian Prime Minister has evoked the 1930s and the 1940s, the Depression and the Second World War, in such a way. It ought to make us pay attention, and it adds to our level of the uncertainty of our world. And then yesterday, Donald Trump making speeches about the what he called America being under siege from a far left fascism. It doesn't matter whether you think he's nuts and a right wing ratbag. That the fact that that's being said just adds to a level of uncertainty. And the, that level of anxiety that kind of creates a burden that we we carry or deepens the burden that we carry. Uh, I, I was talking to, to a couple of people who were Lifeline counsellors. You know, Lifeline is a, uh, always has been a phone line. So in, in many ways, it hasn't been affected at all by COVID. You could always ring in and talk to someone about your fears. And what they said to me was that, that what they'd seen was a rise in people being unable to say what it was they were feeling but knew, knew they were feeling something. It wasn't that they had a specific issue that they had to deal with. They knew that everybody was dealing with the COVID lockdown and the COVID uncertainty and they were ringing in and not being able to sort of plant their anxiety or their fear onto something specific. It was just generalised. But Jesus says, come unto me, and I will give you rest. And he's saying that to a group of people, 40% of whom had no opportunity to do that because they were slaves, maybe as much as 40%. But he's saying it into our culture too because we're a culture, we value people who work. In fact, we value them so much that if they're doing a really important job, we pay them a lot. And if they're doing a less important job we pay them less. So if they're politicians or financial experts, we pay them a fortune. If they're doing less important jobs, like nursing or looking after children, then obviously we pay them a lot less, don't we? Because those are a lot less important, aren't they, (laughs) than shifting money around the globe. But we do. We say that that the important things are what we pay for. And if you aren't doing a job, then you're a less important person. And we've had both sides of government spend a long time telling us that if you're unemployed, essentially it's your own fault. And if you're on a disability pension, you should be working as hard as you can to get off it so that you can work. Julia Gillard used to go on and on about working families. was code, wasn't it? Scott Morrison says, hard-working Australians... Because obviously there is another group of Australians who are not hard-working. There's another group of people who are not a working family. We don't like the idea of rest or repose. We don't like the idea that there might be some people who are on unemployment benefits who are not working as hard as they possibly could. Now, if they're wealthy, of course, we don't mind that they buy themselves a private island and go and live on it for a while. Of course, because they've earned that. We live in a very strange culture. Do you know this cartoon by Michael Lunick? It's Vasco Pajama and Mr Curly, And Vasco Pajama asks Mr Curley, what is worth doing and what is worth having? And Mr Curley says, it is worth doing nothing and it is worth having a rest. Michael Lunick is uh, one of our great Treasures in Australia, a great cartoonist, you've seen his work for years. And he's kind of pretty countercultural. It's worth doing nothing and it's worth having a rest. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like working families. That doesn't sound like hard working Australians. That doesn't sound like if you have a go, you'll get a go, does it? Doesn't sound like it it's worth doing nothing and it's worth having a rest. Is that the kind of counterculture that maybe Jesus is on about? What if the slaves took him seriously and had a rest? The entire economy of Rome would collapse. What if black South Africans had revolted, as they did in time to, from time to time, but finally did peacefully at the end of apartheid? All the way through the Roman Empire, there you can read letters of the, the fear of the rich recognising that if the poor and the slaves were to revolt, there was nothing that they could do about it. The entire place would collapse. You could read the same thing in South Africa before the end of apartheid. How do we keep the black population in South Africa down? Because if we don't, it will explode. A different world would suddenly happen. But it's not only the, the the slaves and just the normal day-to-day things that they had to do, but there was this whole other subtext that you get in the in the gospels of Jesus saying all the time the the rich, the, the, the religious rulers, the religious leaders, are constantly putting burdens on people that are too hard for them to bear. In fact, in, in Matthew later on, Jesus says, "You put burdens on people that is so hard for them to bear that you don't even bear yourself in talking to the religious leaders." Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But how do you do that? What does it mean to rest? What does it mean to rest when we're listening to Donald Trump one day, Scott Morrison invoking, and I don't I say, I don't know whether he did that right or wrongly, but the fact that he did it is real. How do we live with those things in our lives at this moment? Well, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And what he's been there's not take. Here is a a yoke that I will give you, but a yoke was a way of a wooden implement, and you've probably seen them. Um, It was a way of keeping two animals to work together, so that they could um, pull together and not pull apart, and 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 they could they could double the work that was that the energy, the horsepower. it, it, literally, that could be put into pulling a, a cart. So a yoke was 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 bringing the two animals together. So what Jesus is saying here is, take, a, come alongside me. And learn from me. So don't be. It's not I'm giving you a yoke, another thing to do, another task, and but come alongside me, and we'll do it together. Come and experience life the way I do. I think that's really what Jesus is saying. Take my yoke, learn from me. Is In other words, come and experience it the way I experience it. And we know the way Jesus lived. He lived as if it was true that everyone was welcome. He lived as if it were true that God was present in every moment. And anything could happen. Wonderful things could arise out of that moment. And people could experience health and healing and wholeness. He lived as if it were true that the first response to anything is goodness and grace because that's the way he responded. It's like when you meet a baby who's been well-loved, and you look at their face, their first response is to smile, because here is another amazing face. Every time I see a face, I get love, and sometimes I get food, and I get changed when I'm, when I'm dirty or cold or tired. And, and so here's another face, so the first response is to smile. It's an automatic assumption about the way the world is. And there's nothing more tragic, is there, than meeting a child whose first response is completely different to that because of all of the terror and horror that they've experienced and the need for patient relearning that the world could be good. Jesus lived as if God told the truth when God made the world at creation. God did it all, took a break and said, this is fantastic. That's my translation. He said it's good. Jesus lived as if it really was good, still good and I think that's all Jesus is saying, come on you'll get rest if you start to see the world and live in the world as I do this is in this week's newsletter as well, it's a translation of these last few words by Eugene Peterson it's called The Message and Peterson is a Canadian biblical scholar who started off translating some parts of Matthew for one of the courses he was running and people appreciated it so much that he translated the rest of Matthew then the rest of the Gospels until finally he'd done a translation of the whole of the Bible an extraordinary feat for for one person with lots of help but for one person and this is his very lyric translation of these last verses Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't let lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly.